This is Focal Point, the podcast where we discuss the artists, themes, and processes that define and sometimes disrupt the world of contemporary photography. I'm Kristen Taylor, Curator of Academic Programs and Collections at the Museum of Contemporary Photography at Columbia College, Chicago. And today I'm joined by Carlos Javier Ortiz and David Chaliol. Carlos and David both use documentary still photography and film to consider segregation and systemic racism in Chicago and beyond. We've asked both artists to select one work from the museum's collection to discuss in conjunction with their own practice. David Chaliot is a sociologist, photographer, and filmmaker who is interested in the relationship between community and place. He is the principal with Scrapper's Film Group, where his directorial debut, The Area, follows the story of a multi-billion dollar intermodal freight company as it buys and demolishes over 400 homes in the Chicago neighborhood of Inglewood. The film closely documents the story of one community activist, Deborah Payne, and her fight against the development. Additionally, his still photographic series, Isolated Building Studies, pictures lone buildings centered between vacant lots, challenging us to consider the wider narrative or causes of urban transformation. Carlos Javier Ortiz is a director, cinematographer, and documentary photographer who focuses on urban life, gun violence, racism, poverty, and marginalized communities. His short film and photographic series, A Thousand Midnights, considers the ideals and realities of those who moved to Chicago during the Great Migration from the South. And another series, We All Wake Up, focuses on communities in Chicago repeatedly affected by gun violence. Their work is included in the museum's permanent collection, as well as its Midwest Photographers Project, and it's also featured in the exhibition Chicago Stories on view at the MOCP until July 7th, 2019. I'm standing in the Museum of Contemporary Photography at Columbia College Chicago's vault space right now, where the museum stores its collection of approximately 15,000 photographs. It's a quiet, climate-controlled room that's sort of shut off from the rest of the world. And I'm in here with David Chaliol and Carlos Javier Ortiz looking through some prints that they selected to talk about today. So we're looking at uh, Business in Newly Built Suburb in Juarez by the Suburbia Mexicana series uh, by Alejandro Carreña Gonzalez. And this is a print that I'm really excited to see in person. Uh, It's a photographer whose work I've seen online but never had the opportunity to actually see in person. So the print, uh, what we're looking at in the photograph, it's a photograph of Suburban Juarez, um, but it's part of the series where he's looking at the development of um, suburbia in Mexican, on the outskirts of Mexican cities. One of the things that really draws me to this photograph is that there are these clear signs of life in it. And so you get a sense of suburban development and its uh, hugeness. Uh, But at the same time, you can see someone setting up a sign uh, in front of a restaurant, uh, that you see the advertisements, um, these sort of signs of life that don't fit into that rigid, orderly new construction. So I'm looking at these uh, three um, images next to each other and they're from a refugee camp and in the images to me it's you know the the women um, mostly women uh, and some boys but mostly women look really powerful um, all looking at the camera beautiful portraits um, and each portrait is kind of like a landscape to me like a, a long panoramic image Thank you. 
Carlos, you chose Gabra Matriarch, seated at center with Gabra Women and Children by Fazal Sheikh. Can you tell us a little bit about why you chose this picture? I was really attracted to these these uh, three images together. And mostly it's just the subject matter, mm. the um, the women, the matriarchs. It, and now that I read the caption on, on, the, um, on the picture, it says matriarchs, you know? Mm. So like the matriarchs, the women who, who hold it down, around the boys and the mm-hmm. and the um, young girls in, in this camp and it's just it's just really full of life and dignity mm-hmm. and most most of the pictures you see in camps are not uh, don't look like that so something that um, you and Fazal Sheikh have in common I think is that you're trying to photograph a situation that is different than how you would see it in the news and how you'd see it in the media um, can you describe Fazal Sheikh's um, style a little bit for people who maybe don't know how he photographs and how it's different? Yeah, so again, another thing I relate to is um, the landscapes mm-hmm. um, and the relationship of landscape and people. And I try to do that in my work, is make this connection of people and landscapes. So he makes these, you know, kind of simple portraits of people looking at directly at the camera um, but they're very powerful. They're very beautiful. There's a lot of uh, respect and beauty in in the folks that he photographs. Mm-hmm. And I try to do the same way when when I photograph people. It's just about empowering the people that we that allow us to be around them for right. either for years, uh, fifteen, mm-hmm. twenty years, or one day. You know, mm-hmm. and you never you, you can never pick that. You can never choose that moment of like how long you're going to know someone. It's People choose it for you. And they also choose um, the, um, the moment that they want you to see as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. We always think we do, but most, most of the times people let you do that. For me, um, the ideal kind of project is a project that you can um, sort of ease your way into and build relationships and um, sort of not just fill each other out, but really try to figure out what what you're going to create together. Um, and so while in a lot of ways, I think the emphasis is, I think sort of as Carlos was saying, the emphasis is often on the sort of agency, the photographer, but instead thinking about it, it being about a dynamic and it's a collaboration and the photographer does play a particular kind of role um, and the people uh, who are part of the process in a different kind of way may play a particular role. But ideally, um, the thing that we're doing is we're all trying to figure out what our relationship to each other is um, and what we're going to make. And so time uh, and being able to develop over time just provides the opportunity to develop these sort of deep, meaningful close relationships. And I think that the strongest work is the work that comes out of that kind of experience. Um, that kind of really mutually giving uh, collaboration. Mm-hmm. People in the communities know each other, and you always have to approach with respect and kindness, and and they want they need you and want you to be there uh, almost a hundred percent of the time. So that's I think that's part of the process, mm-hmm. right? Is 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 just listening and looking. Um, and understanding the the history of the the places that we're working in, and if you don't understand that, you'll you'll find your way around it. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think you know also to the piece that um, we're spending a lot of time talking about 
relationships and relationships with the people. And um, of course, starting from this photograph and seeing this clear uh, expression of a connection. Um, but you know, even thinking about landscape work mm -hmm. uh, or other kind of work that emphasizes uh, the the built environment, I feel like that even in that uh, sense, that there's something about having that longevity, really having that sort of like building those relationships, really informs mm -hmm. the way that one can understand place, uh, and it reveals meaning in a mm -hmm. different kind of way than that sort of, uh, uh, you know, drop in, mm -hmm. drop out kind of approach that we often see in photographic work. Mm -hmm. And I was actually going to ask you a question similar to that soon <laughs> about if the same sort of code of ethics applies to photographing right. architectural structures in the built environment. Um, because with people, you know, the questions are obvious about, you know, mutual respect and vulnerability and how that image will be used. But what are the rules with photographing buildings and, and places where people lived their lives? And, and what have you come across in doing that project? Yeah, I mean, I try to approach it in many ways in the same way. Um, I don't always have the same connection to that particular place that I might have with a connection with a person. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I try to approach projects that, yeah, that are about that are about buildings or it, it involve buildings as a way to talk about these other things. Mm -hmm. um, in a similar kind of way. Right. And uh, I think respecting where they live, respecting where they spend time, where we all spend time, where we live, uh, is an important part of acknowledging people's contribution to communities, uh, to sort of the, to neighborhoods, and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and since since we're talking about that, can we, can we uh, also kind of like talk about, um, so Chicago, we've lost mm -hmm. a lot of architecture, mm -hmm. you know, uh, we lost, the major projects um, mm -hmm. that existed mm -hmm. here. The Robert Taylor the Homes. Robert Taylor Homes, mm -hmm. Cabrini Green. Right. Stayway uh, Gardens. Stayway Gardens. I mean, name it. And then the area where mm -hmm. you worked, um, that was a historical uh, neighborhood when, you know, I came to see it and you actually explained it to me because um, I would see the neighborhood as I drove by to go west on Inglewood. I would look at um, the, the lots and they just mm -hmm. kept getting bigger and wider and the nature kept coming and 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 taking over the landscape, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then you know the dignity of of um, people's homes, like yeah. when you when you look at a building as it, it's getting demolished because you you saw you've seen so many get demolished. Mm -hmm. um, uh, what do you think about? Ooh, yeah, like, I mean, with the when, demolition process, both slow and long. Yeah, kind of. yeah, and like even looking in someone's house, right? Like you, th these were walls where, where you put your photographs or or something on them that was a value to you, right? Yeah, and we, and we kind of take that for granted, right? But um, what do you? I, I, what comes to mind when you use anything? I don't know. Gosh, I mean, so, it's I'm just wondering. I'm curious. So much. I mean, I mean, a lot of what it is, I think, is. The same, I have the same kinds of thoughts whether whether I see a building immediately kind of coming down or if a building that has, for a variety of reasons, been um, put in a position where it's become derelict, right? Um, and but the the experience of seeing the the actual like that that the visceral experience of demolition is something that I think. Um, it sharpens all of the feelings. And so when I'm seeing buildings that are, are derelict or, or buildings that have been sort of left on their own, um, or, you know, or to put it another way, to say that people have been able to, you know, hold on and um, make this building uh, a site of resilience, that when I see all of that, I'm seeing 
history. I'm thinking about people's experiences in those places. I'm thinking about you know all those stories uh, that that people have of, of a place, and then that sort of the erasure of that. Uh, and I think about it in that bigger socio-historical context that you know what's happening on the south side of Chicago and the west side of Chicago with structural disinvestment. Thinking about you know the the way that uh, you know particular groups of people have been privileged and others have you know have 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 just been um, you know, put into position and again and again where they have to fight. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all of that as I see the building come down, uh, whether it be in that sort of short term, like there's that demolition mm-hmm. or that long term, what's, what's happening to this community. So that leads us into a good segue of you discussing the piece that you chose, which sure. we haven't yet done. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you noticed about this piece or why you chose it among all of the 15,000 photographs in our collection? <laughs> what stood out to you? Yeah. Um, so when I was going through the, the collection, I was trying to think about work that could connect with some of the issues of the exhibition and do that in a pretty straightforward way. And um, so this this photograph that I chose... Um, the, the intention of the photographer is to engage these big conversations about what's happening in Mexico um, in relationship to urban planning, into commerce uh, and commercial construction, to thinking about um, even the experience of uh, drug wars and cartel work. Um, and so in the same way that when I think about uh, you know, Dawood's work is responding to uh, the expression of, uh, you know, of, of racism and resistance in the South. Um, and I think about Carlos's work in relationship to um, sort of, again, the same sort of processes, the same kinds of experiences uh, in the North. And I think mine also falling into that same category, but obviously we're all doing it in very different ways. That I think about this work as um, also trying to engage those conversations um, in Mexico, um, yeah, just how do we see the built environment Mm -hmm. as an expression of the the contemporary conflicts and the sort of historical uh, reasons for the manifestation of them in these particular ways? Mm -hmm. I feel like his work is almost the opposite of yours, even though there's the same intentions in a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Um, He's photographing the sprawl more, like the suburban growth outward. And you're photographing, you know, kind of trying to keep and preserve parts of Mm -hmm. the the city proper. And he actually has, we have one photograph in our collection that I'm surprised you did not pick by him um, of a chapter of the series called Urban Holes. And it's directly the opposite of yours in that there's a building on each side and in between it has been demolished. Yours is, you know, on either side it's been demolished and it's one standing. So I thought that was a really, when you chose, <laughs> when you said that this is the piece that you picked, uh-huh. I immediately wondered why you picked this one instead of the inverse of your work. Yeah, and I did, I, I really did think about that yeah. other image. Um, but one of the things that I liked about this one is that it, we see the, the like the whole community here, yeah. right? Um, we see the plan uh, and in the uniformity of the buildings mm-hmm. or almost uniformity of the buildings, we see the sort of like intention of developers. We mm-hmm. see the intention of the creation of the suburb. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I like the idea of thinking about all of these dynamics in a place that is, uh, you know, sort of like seemingly whole, Mm-hmm. Um, even if it is this speculative kind of thing. Yeah. And, and thinking about that as a different kind of counterpoint mm-hmm. to uh, the, the kinds of issues that, that my work and Carlos's work uh, in particular, sort of uh, investigating and in mm-hmm. sort of the, uh, the, the resistance and, um, you know, at the same time sort of oppression that manifests uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the city. I think with 
Fazal Sheikh and you know Alejandro Cartagena Gonzalez. I hope I pronounced that right. And both of your Perfect. work, um, you would all be sort of classified as artist activists. Do you agree with that term? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Do you think of yourself more heavily in one side versus the other, or sort of what is that balance that you toggle between you know just pure research of what you're doing? I mean, because you both also spend a significant amount of time reading about these subjects and learning and talking with people and interviewing and building kind of that brain behind your work, that data that you have. How much of your, your time during the day is spent doing that versus just capturing images or what is that balance between artists and activists for you? For me, I, 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 it's actually the opposite is because I'm dyslexic. I, photography and the filmmaking is a way of channeling the, the, um, the communication of reading and the process of sitting down and looking, reading a book and, and, and absorbing it. But the, the photography and the filming, what it does to me, it triggers uh, knowledge. And then most of it is contemporary history, right? As we're looking at it and making it. And so I go backwards and then I really start getting into the books. Mm-hmm. And, and that kind of triggers the, that part of it. And then the, uh, the other part of activism for me... Again, it, it all revolves around uh, photography and, and making films. And, but I, I kind of let people tell me that um, that I'm an activist. Mm-hmm. I don't like to say I'm an activist mm-hmm. because then I, I really would put it all down and start, like, you know, fighting and, like, <laughs> protesting and, and uh, re- I mean, really fighting for these, w- which I try to do with my work. But I, I believe that um, that's where my talent lies, so I don't, I don't want to lean on just becoming an activist overnight. But I think the work over time is about activism. Mm -hmm. It's about getting the word to the public. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can relate to that. It's, you know, I to throw another sort of piece in that also Mm -hmm. as a sociologist, there's this like whole other thing um, of, of thinking about all of these sort of ways of just all of these in- different kinds of intersections. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, there's this, the act of making work is sort of like research in a lot of different ways, right? It's research about sort of like learning about the world and it's research and it's sort of like learning how to connect with people and to build another world, right? Uh, and it's also sort of like research um, maybe in a more traditional sense where it's, you know, trying to figure out how do you then uh, take this material and transform it into something else. And not that I frame everything as research, but I mean, it's like at each aspect of what it is that I'm doing, I feel like there's just this tremendous amount of overlap, right? And so, yeah, so yeah, there's reading books and there's talking to people and they're doing things like this where we're having this conversation, which of course goes back and informs the work that I'm doing and I I assume the work that we're all doing uh, as we try to figure out what's the best way to articulate these, you know, essential contemporary problems that have these huge, you know, just huge histories that, that, you know, can, can also weigh on us. Like, if you weren't a sociologist, you're a real, real, real photographer. You just have a different perspective of the world, not just a sociologist's perspective, you know? No, I think that's true. I see that in your work a lot. And, of course, you know, I think about all these different things that you're drawing from, too. And I think that's one of the things that's so, you know, I've always found your work so compelling is this sort of like the richness of drawing from all of these different kinds of experiences and trying to be really thoughtful about how to 
you know, what sort of what to do and how to do it. And I think also Dawood's work, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, is, is another just really great example of someone who is being so deeply thoughtful, mm-hmm. uh, but also and, and, and also intentional about the way he interacts with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that that sort of like a thread connecting the work, I think, is really important. You know, personally, for me, with that, the, the intersection of art and activism is that um, you know, again, considering the differences between like Fazal Sheikh's work and when we're really looking also at, at pictures of people and that difference between, you know, when you read a story in the news and you know that something horrible is happening in the world. And with his work, it's, you know, about refugees in Kenya at a refugee camp, but you don't see anything else in the environment. You don't see war going on in the background. You don't see what the camp looks like or what their home looks like. You just see the people experiencing it. And really, there's a lot of connections to Dawood Bay's work in that style of just connecting with the gaze so intensely um, and and portraiture's power there. Um, And with your work, you don't as much do. I mean, there are direct portraits, but there's also a lot of different types of photographs that you take. So there's, there's one picture that made me stop in my tracks when I saw it of, um, and it's up right now, of a, a man holding a baby, and I assume it's his baby, and in the background there's a woman that you assume is the baby's mother. And at first it just sort of seems like this sweet family photograph. The baby's arm is reached up and, you know, the kid's grabbing his mouth a little bit. And then in the background, when you sit with the photograph for a little while, you notice that there's police tape in the background, and that's kind of in a soft focus um, and I think about how different that picture would be if it were taken for the story, you know, that it mm. would be the other side of that tape. And so with both Fazal Sheikh's work and your work, um, it's, to me, more powerful to slow down and really get to know that story through your type of imagery um, because we get so overwhelmed by headlines and, and imagery that is so dramatic um, at times. So. When I spoke once, I accidentally said, you're a photojournalist. (laughs) And I think I was thinking because, you know, I've seen your work in magazines and I've seen your work at crime scenes. And in a certain way, like my brain, you know, fogged it up for a minute. But it's it's very, very different. And um, can you maybe talk about that a little bit, the difference? I mean, and this is a conversation that happens in our museum a lot about what photojournalism is and what documentary photography is and what a you know portraiture photographer is and are those categories important to you or yeah I think they they all um, kind of blend into each other in a way um, I think they're all bred um, in a way from the portrait and and then when the cameras got faster it became photojournalism mm-hmm. and then it became documentary I'm I'm drawn from photojournalism like the importance of it is mm-hmm. is like I, I can't I can't state how important it is. I think there's there's a lot of um, laziness in the in the way the news gets told. Um, it's so fast and it moves so quickly, and people forget that, that the real stories are over time. Um, and, and sometimes we need to tell a, a, a everyday story, but we don't usually tell the longer period of story. So and that's the important part of a museum. There's stories that would last longer than uh, a newspaper image, mm-hmm. and it, I'm glad the archive, of, the Black Star archive, got saved because mm-hmm. a lot of these pictures get thrown away, right. and we have it today. 
And that's that connects nicely to also what David you're doing with your film, The Area, um, and Deborah Payne, who's you know the the main you call her the main protagonist in the film and a producer in the film. Um, you know, everyone now is learning about this rail yard expansion that happened that cleared away. Is it a 20 block radius of Inglewood or how many blocks? More or less. Depends on how you measure block. But yeah. yeah. 400 homes, right? Yeah. Um, so I said to her this morning, um, you know, we were commenting about how you and Deborah are, are touring around and, and showing this film in multiple screenings all over the country. And I said, it's too bad that this wasn't happening while you know, the expansion mm. was happening. And she was just like, yes, you know, exactly. That's exactly what should have happened because unfortunately we're all learning about this expansion yeah. now that it's completed. Um, and really, I mean, it'll be interesting to see in the museum how much people are aware that this happened. But um, in my circle of whenever I talk about your work and that we're doing this exhibition, most people don't know that it happened. Yeah. Even though it's, you know, this, this, terribly tragic thing that happened right a few miles away in Chicago. Um, and this is, you know, a kind of thing that happens often, like, you know, where the reasons for buildings getting destroyed or the reasons for um, people kind of being taken advantage of. And I think you're so successful in your documentary because you just follow her and you're able to connect to this one person and, and kind of focus on one person instead of like, the 400 that can become abstract and you don't know how to register, how, how to feel empathy with mm -hmm. a number that big. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, you connect back to this, this is something, this is not the first time that this has happened where, mm -hmm. you know, uh, communities of color have been displaced to make way for sort of progress, um, you know, effectively meanings for someone to make profit. It's such a complicated situation. And one of the, the struggles, I, trying to figure out how to tell the story and how to share share the story um, was to figure out how to represent uh, the experiences of a community without, as you were saying, without sort of, you know, showing everyone. Um, you know, in the end, you know, Deborah really ended up um, emerging in part because of this connective role that she played in the neighborhood and the way that she brought people together and her strength uh, uh, was was something that was uh, a, a uniter and was one of the reasons that, that we met in the first place. And then, of course, there's some other people who um, also pay key roles in the film. And so guys like Tega and Wheezy, um, as they're sort of working through um, what their experience is of sort of like uh, being born and raised in a place uh, that, that no longer exists. And, and what does it mean to move somewhere else when you're so associated with one, one community? But yeah, there's so much of it is about anchoring it in people's experience. And one of the things that thought about a lot at the very beginning. In fact, the reason to, to make it a film in the first place was to make it something that um, could be shared in the way that a film is shared, mm -hmm. uh, where people sit down and they have an experience where they, you know, they, they, they expect to sit down and experience something unfolding mm -hmm. and to be able to sort of structure something that would give people some sense of that that time frame, uh, some sense of that experience and development and the consequences, um, and of course the horrible injustice, um, along with uh, sort of the, the, the possibilities of, of resilience that we see, you know, really uh, expressing at the end of the film. But to be able to do that, and the, the film, you know, this, the, the movie format really seemed like the clear way to do it. And I guess the only other thing to say about this is that, you know, we we thought a lot about, is this something that should come out earlier? And we did put a short out in 
2013 mm-hmm. um, in order to sort of, while things were still very much in process, um, but uh, there were some strategic questions about how do you know the neighborhood residents want to negotiate? Uh, how do they want to sort of proceed practically? Mm-hmm. And um, you know, in the end, uh, I think what we're hoping and uh, is that the film can be an opportunity to have these meaningful conversations. Of course, with the idea that uh, you know that a maybe doesn't happen next mm-hmm. time, right? And then B, if it does, people understand uh, who to talk to mm-hmm. and what the process is like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, hopefully, right, it's, a, it's not just documentation, but it's a, right. a kind of community building activity. Well, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, mm-hmm. but um, what's one thing you always carry with you throughout the day when you're photographing or otherwise, if there is something significant? If not, we can scrap this question. <laughs> I always take a camera with me. Yeah, like everywhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was I, easy. But I, no, but, I, but I really do, and I mean, I'd say that in a, a joking way, right? But I mean, I, but I really do. I always try to have my camera with me, and yeah. so um, it's you know, no matter what it is that I'm doing, and you know, and it's always when you know the. I don't know, you know, I'm, I'm rushing out the door and I think, oh, should I grab my camera? I'm like, oh, no, I'm just going to go quickly to the grocery store and I don't need it. And then it's like, uh, I, clearly I needed my camera. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, but really there is this thing about always having it with me and that thinking about making work is something that's just this constant activity um, and, and trying to make that part of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Do you care anything, Carlos? Well, I always have these bracelets in my <laughs> on my arm with me, as a just a reminder of my family, mm-hmm. and um, and then I have my wife gave me these, um, and then I have obviously my camera. Um, so those are like the two things mm-hmm. I always have, and and if I don't have one or the other, it kind of feels strange, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and obviously, I have a phone, so if I forget the camera, that, that kind of <laughs> is a second-hand tool. So would you say that that is advice you would have for anyone trying to do what you do, is to never leave home without your camera? Or what kind of advice would you have for someone who's aspiring to do work like you? Well, I'd, I'd say that, you know, I mean, there, obviously people work in all these different kinds of ways, mm-hmm. and it may not always make sense to, to, you know, you're maybe not the kind of person that's bringing the camera around all the time, mm-hmm. but certainly doing the kind of work that I do, and I think the work that Carlos does, that seems like great advice. Um, I'd say maybe more generally just to always be working. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean that in the mm-hmm. sense where you're like, you know, uh, pushing your family aside, you're mm-hmm. doing whatever, but I mean, instead to be thinking about, um, you know, making small projects mm-hmm. and, and just continuing to build. And that for me, um, at least with sort of my experience with making projects, that it's um, it's through making work that, uh, and, and all the ways that we've We've been talking about that uh, over this last however long this has been, um, that a lot of meaning is is really revealed. And, um, you know, sometimes I don't fully understand the meaning of an image until I've, I've made 20 more um, and start to understand uh, why it might be something that's important. Mm-hmm. And so this idea of always uh, sort of like always working and always thinking about work in this sort of abstract sense is a, you know, has been really helpful mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree at all. I think the the life of an artist does revolve around work. Um, and it doesn't mean that you can't, you know, like, I want to be with my son all the time now and my wife. Um, so it doesn't mean, and my wife's like, go work and go make money and go do this, you know? <laughs> Don't be around us all the time. <laughs> yeah, and she never told me this before. But, um, but I believe the life of an artist does revolve around 
the the discipline of making work and and creating your vision and refining it um like you asked before like going back to the activist question i mean photography is a freedom of of speech for me mm -hmm. freedom of creation um and you know so it's making the same discipline with making uh films um and it just kind of all comes together but you like i think louis armstrong said that somebody asked him if he was a master of the trumpet and he was like hell no this gets harder as you get older you know <laughs> so don't think it like if you're a young cat it's going to get you know easier this is going to get harder mm -hmm. and you have to you have to do it you have mm -hmm. to do it and think about it and open your mind to it consistently I'll, I'll say the one other thing I'll say, yeah, yeah. Uh, and it just as I'm sitting here and looking at the two of you, is also just having conversations about work mm -hmm. and you know mm -hmm. constantly looking at other people's work and listening um, and listening to the people who are around you, and that means you know the people you're working with on photography projects or or whatever, right? But it also just means the people you love and mm -hmm. the people who love mm -hmm. you, and you know just trying to figure out how you build from there. Yeah, and and don't let Instagram fool you. Like <laughs> it's good, but go to museums. Like like. Look at archives, look at physical materials. Instagram's just another tool getting it into the world, but um, look at the physical material that people make. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, we, we see a three-dimensional world, um, you know, on a flat phone, it's, it's fine, but you need to get out and think about it, <clears throat> you know, bring it, bring it into your soul. Um, right. and so go to museums, support museums. Yeah. Come to our museum. Yeah. It's a good closing. Three books. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both for, thank you. for coming here. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Focal Point. Focal Point is presented by the Museum of Contemporary Photography at Columbia College, Chicago, in partnership with WCRX FM Radio. Special thanks to Professor Matt Cunningham and student production intern Wesley Reno. Music is by Zavi. To see the images we discussed today, please visit mocp.org. You can also follow the Museum of Contemporary Photography on Facebook and Instagram at MOCPshy and on Twitter at MOCP underscore Chicago. If you enjoyed our show, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to Focal Point anywhere you get your podcasts. Did you enjoy the podcast? Be sure to check out WCRX's variety of podcasts, including Profiled, hosted by Kaylin Lohr, which explains the unique artistic endeavors of a plethora of students at Columbia College Chicago. Hear about each artist's inspiration, accomplishments, and goals. Check it out. That was the coolest moment of my life. I mean, first time with a wireless mic, first time I really experienced what it was like to move around and work a big stage and work a big crowd. And I think I got a little too excited at times. Um, Available wherever you get your podcast.